closer. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 4, the calling of the first disciples. And, uh, and we're going to look into this in terms of being closer in proximity. So why don't you stand to your feet in honor of reading the word. Matthew chapter 4, we're starting verse 18 and read through 22. You can find it on the screen. You can find it in the paper Bible or on your phone. You can go to our, our, um, our phone app and you can find the notes there as well. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father mending their nets and he called them immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him father we pray today that in all that's going on this year pray god that we could be closer to you you said if we draw close to you that you'd be close to us so we pray that that would happen we pray that it would happen today because we came together and we're lifting your name and looking into your word we pray that we'd know your presence. Thank you for all that you've done. We really have no reason to fear this morning. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated. The story starts out, Jesus had just finished a 40-day fast. And you thought you were special with the 21-day fast, not eating meat. Jesus, um, the Bible says that the spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And he had fasted for 40 days. He didn't eat anything. At the end of that 40 days, it says he was weak and hungry. And the devil came and tempted, tempted him like three different offerings. And Jesus responded by saying, every time it is written, it is written. It is written. Listen, if the devil is attacking you right now, it does no good to scream at him. It does no good to tell him to get out. Just say, hey, it's already written. This is who God is to me. This is what he's promised me he would have done. And there is no reason for me to be afraid of you. Amen? So after he's tempted and overcomes the temptation by Satan, uh, he finds out that John the Baptist, who was who was like his pre-runner. He was the guy preparing for Jesus' ministry. So John the Baptist was actually probably second cousin to Jesus because the Bible says that Jesus' mother and John's mother were cousins. And so they were second cousins maybe, third, fourth, whatever. They were related. So John had been preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is, is coming. John had been preaching this uh, in light of Jesus starting his ministry. Now John had said a couple things negative about the king and got him locked up. John would later be beheaded. But Jesus found out that John's locked up, so he goes back to Capernaum. And, uh, and what happens is if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them have the account 
of Jesus calling his first disciples. But they all differ a little bit. It's not contradictions. It's like if you saw the same account and I saw the same account and we wrote an account of it in our own frame of mind, then they would probably look a little different. Amen? Some of you would say, well, there was beautiful flowers that day. I wouldn't. Let's skip the flowers. I'd say Jesus was on the beach, called a couple guys. What else do you need to know? So you get four versions of this. In John's version, we find out that this probably wasn't the, the recording that Matthew gives, the account that Matthew gives probably wasn't the first time Jesus had bumped into Peter. Matter of fact, John's version has Peter's brother being introduced to Jesus and then his brother coming and getting Peter and introducing Peter to Jesus. But when Matthew picks up the story, Peter and James and John and all these guys are out fishing. They had fished all night. And they were back washing and mending their nets. Now, I've been in countries where you see boats like this come back. Like the wooden, literally, less than 10 years ago in a country where they still use wooden fishing boats. They bring them back up on the beach and they pull all the nets out. And they're going through the nets, pulling out debris, pulling out stuff that could interfere with the next catch and mending them, making sure that no fish are going to get loose. And that's what they were doing. Jesus was teaching on the, on the shore and the, and it says the crowd had pushed in around him so tightly that he, that he asked Peter, he gets in Peter's boat and he says, Hey, could you push me out a little ways? And I think Luke records the most detail about this encounter where Jesus Peter pushes Jesus out. Jesus finishes teaching and he says, Hey, why don't you throw your net out again? And Peter says, <laughs> fished all night. We didn't catch anything. The good fishing time is kind of over. And I don't know if Jesus went. I would like to think there was some look. And Peter said, oh, but because you asked me, I'll go ahead and throw it over again. Peter throws a net over, a huge load of fish come in to, to the point where they can't handle all. And, and, his, and his buddies' boats, James and John and some others, come alongside, pull all the fish in. It's at that moment when Jesus looks at him and says, why don't you come follow me? The Bible says that Peter, James, and John leave the boats and go follow him. Jesus calls 12 guys to follow him. And um, the Bible says that when he calls them, they drop what they're doing and they go follow him. I started thinking about that. He's still calling people today. He called 12 to start with, but now he calls everybody. Literally calls everybody. In Revelation, we read that Jesus says he stands at the door and knocks. At every single person's door. Not, not just the cool kids and not, not just certain people, but he stands at everybody's door and he knocks. And whoever will open that door, he will come in and have dinner with them. Now, now this is important because all it takes is for you to open the door. It didn't say you had to clean up the house. Uh, uh, you get nervous about letting people in your house unannounced, don't you? I don't, I don't know about you, but, um, but somebody shows up and you're like, 
could you give us a second? The beautiful thing about Jesus knocking is that he's never, he's never shocked or embarrassed about the state of your house. All he says is open the door. Now, when we first got married, I had a job where I went to a bunch of people's houses and, and I was scheduled to go to their house and perform a service on the house. And I would knock on the door and they'd open the door and I'd be like, oh, dear God, I don't want to do this today. I, 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 you ever been to a house where the smell met you in the driveway? And so, so I started reading this and I thought, man, he, he just says, open the door. I'll come in no matter what it looks like. No matter what your past is, no matter what your current sin is, no matter what you're dealing with, whatever, what the addiction is, no matter what you are dealing with today, he's knocking, 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 knocking. If you'll open the door, he'll step right in. And that should give you great confidence. He didn't say sweep the house and, and put away the bad stuff. He didn't say hide the liquor. He didn't say anything. He said, just open the door. He's calling every person today. Let me in. Let me in. Jesus wants to, uh, wants to be in close proximity to us. He wants a close relationship with us. It was the whole reason God sent Jesus to us. To close the gap. To, to make it possible for us to have that intimate relationship with God. He sent, we just walked through this in, in December. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a description that Jesus is one of the names Jesus was given. He has come to us to be with us. And then when we get to end of the end of the Bible, Revelations, he's still knocking, saying, just let me in. Just let me in. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some counselors, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He will keep knocking, 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 knocking. Now, anybody got a ring doorbell? I just want to make sure next time I walk up to your house. <laughs> if you got a ring doorbell, uh, we had something happen. Uh, we were in the Outer Banks this past year in November, and um, and my wife's phone. I turned the I turned the notifications off of the ring doorbell. So if you come and push my doorbell and I'm not home, it's going to be like a normal doorbell. Nobody's coming. But we were uh, just sitting around and my wife's phone kept vibrating and she said, my phone keeps vibrating. And, she, and I said, well, what is it? And she looked at it and she said, oh, it's the doorbell. So we got nervous because somebody was at the front of our house and we're not there. And so I got on my phone or I might've used your phone and, I, and I, we had a, a car that had been um, in an accident and the guy was coming to tow the car to the, to the body shop. And so there was other people that would be at the house later that could let him, you know, get the key and all that stuff. But we weren't there at the time. So I thought, Oh wait, I can talk to him. Oh, this is crazy. So I hit the button and I was like, Hey, can I help you? I was in the outer banks and this grown adult man leaned down to a doorbell and went, Hey, I'm here to pick up the car. 
And I was like, okay, go ahead. She's like, I don't have a key. That's a problem. (laughs) Yeah, we're not there. I need a key to move the car. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you'll have to come back tomorrow. (laughs) Click. And here's what I realized. We have created a society where we can be connected, but not close. We can be connected, but not close. We can, um, we can from a world away video somebody or text somebody. We can, we can, we can do all these things to stay connected, but not really, never really close to each other. I can talk through some of my doorbell to somebody. And tell them what I want them to do and how to do it. And yet not be close to them. Our society is moving towards being connected but never close. Matter of fact, we're starting to get weirded out when people get close. Pandemic. But what if somebody just stopped by your house one day? We don't do that anymore. Some of you remember the days when you used to sit out on the front porch and the neighbor came by and you invited them up on the front porch and the next thing you know, they were eating dinner with you. By the way, don't stop by my house expecting dinner. That's weird. Point taken. We don't do that stuff anymore. We, we got to prepare. You got to call. You got to, like, nobody's just going to stop by and eat. So we are more connected. I could text you every minute of every day about something, but don't just stop by. Don't, I don't want to be that close to you. I don't want to be that, I don't want to be that connected. Where you feel like you could just drop by my house at any time. No. So we're training ourselves how to have all these relationships, but never be close to anybody. And it's the antithesis of what God wants with us. It's the exact opposite of what he desires. I actually don't think proximity is the problem. That's going to sound weird because um, proximity, being close to somebody means you should be near them, right? But I actually don't think proximity is a problem because, because the Bible tells us over and over again that God is already everywhere, right? We call it omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. Every time. So he's already with you. The Bible also says things like this. Wherever two or three of you are gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst of you. So I used to, I'm a very linear thinker. Like you do this and then this and then this and then this. And if you do this, then it causes this. And and, and so if you ever come to me for counseling, that's all you're going to hear. Well, you did that. That was dumb. And then this happened. Don't do that again. Yeah, okay, fixed. Yeah, I mean, it was 15 minutes. It was unbelievable. I'm terrible at it. And then if you came back to me and you said, I did it, I would go, oh, yep. Yeah, I can't help you. You did it twice. Yeah, you keep keep doing it. Don't come back until you stop doing it. I don't know what we're going to talk about. So that's the way I think. So what used to confuse me is we would sing songs in church inviting God to us. But I would hear scripture that says, if we're together, he's already 
in the midst of us. And I would think, okay, um, wherever two or three of us are gathered together in his name. So if my family sits down to pray over our meal, he's there. There's five of us. We get a bonus too. So if I'm with a couple friends and we pray, he's what? With us. If, if I'm in the DMV and there's two other Christians there. Oh, you never thought about that, did you? You say, you can walk right down to the pit of hell and with two other believers, he's there. And yet we go, come Holy Spirit, I need. And I used to think as a kid, why, why are we inviting somebody that's already here? It seems like a waste of time. He'd be like, you showed up to my house for dinner and you're sitting down. I'd say, well, come on in. And you sit down after 10 minutes, I say, hey, come on in. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm here. No, hey, come on in. And then after we eat, come on in. I think proximity is less of the issue because God is already near you. And if you're a believer, the Bible says he's already in you. The issue is whether you recognize that or not. It's recognition of his proximity that changes us. You may, you may be trying to figure that. Let me, let me explain it in a way that you might uh, grasp it a little better. Uh, ladies, I'm going to expect a big raucous amen out of this. Um, uh, ladies, let me, let me present it to you like this. It's football season, playoffs coming, right? Have you ever been in the room prox- in proximity to your husband, like close, but the football game on is in, and he is not there? Amen? You're like, honey, this is what happened with the kids today. Mm-mm. Hey, you know, I wrecked the car. Hey, we're going to have triplets. <laughs> you can be in the same room, sitting beside him on the couch, sharing a meal. And if the football game's on, not there. It's not because you're not in the same proximity. It's because there's no recognition of you. Amen? Okay, let me, so I need to be equal here. Men, have you ever taken your lady out for a dinner? I mean, like where you showered before. And, and you got out the cologne that you haven't worn in years. And, and, and you shaved and you, you did your hair and, and you got ready and you put on your best t-shirt. And, and you said, listen... Listen, um, I'm going to take you somewhere where it's going to be $100. They might not even let me in with this T-shirt on. I'm taking you somewhere nice. Take you somewhere nice. We're going to Outback. We're going to get a Bloomin' Onion. Bloomin' Onion. I'm going to let you order something. I'm going to let you order something nice tonight. Bloomin' Onion. And, and you sit down and you... And you, you say things like, man, I really, I really love you. And I mean it. Um, you're special to me. It's been great. Really good. And you're trying to be as emotional as you know how to be. Come on, guys. You know what that looks like. And you, and you just work the whole night. Work the whole night. Work the whole night. Work the whole night. And then you come home and you're in the same house. But she is not recognizing you. 
All the men are like, I ain't saying amen to that. You're crazy. (laughs) It's not. You thought the dinner was leading somewhere. And even though you're in the same house, she left. It's not about proximity. It's about recognition. It's not that they're not there. It's not that your spouse isn't there. It's whether they're recognizing you as being there. Amen? So as the church, we don't have to conjure up the Holy Spirit. We don't have to, we don't have to do something to get the Holy Spirit to show up. The Bible guarantees us that if we're together, He's here. The Bible guarantees us He will never leave us or forsake us. The Bible guarantees us that He is with us all the time. The issue is whether you recognize him as being there or not. I stand at the door and knock. I haven't went anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still knocking. I'm still here. I'm still knocking. Remember the little Richard song? You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Some of you have been walking around 30 years, hearing God knock at your door, but you're singing little Richard. I hear him knocking, but he can't come in. It's not that God isn't in proximity to you, but you won't let him in the house. And some of you who've been, who've been a Christian a long time have forgotten that he lives there. So we walk in on a Sunday morning, we start singing about fear and you go, I don't know what to do. You woke up this morning, you got things in your life that you don't know how to control. You don't know how, you don't know what to do. You got relationships that are, that are, that are off the rails and you don't know how to handle all that. And, and fear has entered your life and it's not It's not that fear can be overcome. It's that you don't recognize the one living in you that can overcome it. So it has nothing to do with proximity. It has everything to do with us recognizing that God is with us. Sometimes we feel like pinballs. You wake up in the morning and the galaxy pulls back the plunger, lets it go, launches you out of the house. And then the rest of your day is just bouncing off of one circumstance, bouncing off of one another jerk, bouncing off of your boss, bouncing off of your spouse, bouncing off of your kids. And before you know it, you just, you just, at the end of the day, you just give up and you go back down in the chute. Like, I can't control any of this. It feels like we're spiraling over and over and over again. Every day we just walk, wake up and bounce around in life. And it was just all this external stuff that's happening. And I don't know what to do about it. There's a quote from a guy named Jim Rome. Anybody ever heard of Jim Rome? Um, says, you're the average of the five people that you hang around the most. You're an average of the five people you hang around the most. So they've done studies that, that will look at how much you make, how your marriage is going, how you raise your kids. And then they'll look at the people around you and they see similarities with the people around you. Does that make sense? When we were kids, they used to tell us, you become who you hang around. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody's parents ever told you that? You better stop hanging around them. You're going to become just like them. Anybody ever been told that? I was told it last week. (laughs) You better stop hanging around them. You're going to become just like them. Why? But that's because people have influence over us, don't they? So there, you know, if, if you want to carry out that philosophy, if you want to make more money, start hanging around people that make more money. Why? Because they know how to make more money. 
If you want your kids to act better, hang around people that have better acting kids. Don't be embarrassed about it. We brought Susie over here just because your Jenny is nicer. And we want her to hang out with her. I remember thinking, we had friends, we had friends when our kids were growing up and their kids were, we'd go over to their house and their kids would be saying, yes ma'am, no ma'am. And I'm thinking, we need to come over here more. Come over here more. My kids are politer when they leave your house. Why don't you parent them? (laughs) So Jim Rome says you're average of the five people you hang around the most. Some of you just went, oh, dear God, I got to get new friends. (laughs) Average of the five people you hang around the most. Jim Rome is leaving something out. Um, I think that's true to an extent. I think that's true if you don't open the door. I think that's absolutely true if you never open the door. I think if, you, if, if God knocks on your door over and over and you never open it, you should look at the people around you and go, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm headed. This is how it's going to turn. You should. It's a great indication of where your future is going. It is. What Jim Rome doesn't take into account is that as soon as you open the door, the internal influence in you is greater than the external influence around you. By the way, that's why you want to introduce your kids early to Jesus. Yeah, it would be so helpful early. Because the Bible actually says, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. So what's that look like? John 15, four, abide in me and I, can you read this with me? They're going to put it up. Abide in me and I, Jesus saying, if I'm in you, As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is talking in John 15. Hey, listen, it's not only proximity. It's the recognition that without him in us, we can do nothing. First Corinthians six nineteen. or do you know, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Paul's talking about fleeing from sexual immorality because our bodies house the spirit of God. Second Timothy 1 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Romans 8 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What did the writer of Revelation say? Stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone, every single person in this room today, everybody you know, everybody, anyone would open the door. What was his promise? I'll stand outside and be here when you need me. No, 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 it's some of you have been approaching Jesus as when I need something, I will call on him because he's close. 
I want to change your mentality about that. Because I want you to stop being the average of the five people around you. Because if that's true, then you're just being impacted by external, external situations, external people. Like, I'm just a product of my environment. You ever heard that before? Well, I'm just a product of my environment. Oh. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you're absolutely a product of your environment. You don't have any other choice. You don't have any other outlet. You don't have any other influence. You don't have, you don't have anything else. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, Jim Rome is 100% correct. You will be the average of the five people that you hang around. And if you let your kids hang around treacherous people, they will turn out treacherous. But the the New Testament tells us over and over and over and over and over again. I just read you four or five verses and that wasn't an exhaustive study. That once you hear him knocking and you open the door, it changes the dynamics of what's happening because the one who is greater than anything that you could face now says, not only will I, will I stand at the door until you open it up. Once you open it up, I'll come in and stay. He'll come in and stay. It says, I'll come in and have some dinner with you. I'll come in and be there. I'm always here for you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always. So what happens is we hear the knocking. The proximity is already there. We acknowledge that he's there. Open the door. He comes in and he stays with us. Now, all of a sudden, we're not just an average of the five people we're hanging around because greater is he now that is in me. So now I'm not a pinball anymore. Now I'm not just waking up in the morning, getting launched out and then bouncing off of all these things that I can't control. Now he that is in me can control everything that I interact with. My personality is to be angry. It's fun. Anybody else? Something little happens and you're just like, you can feel it, can't you? Starts, just comes on up. And it takes about, I don't know, half a millisecond. And by the time it gets out of my mouth, I'm justified in my response. And, and it's quick with me. Now I've tried to, the Holy Spirit in me has been really good for that. It's, let me say, it's a trait of the Joneses. We got a long history of being torqued off quick. Now I could... I could live my life saying, that's just the way I'm wired. And if you bounce, if I bounce into you, you better get ready. Or if I happen to over, you better. Or if I over here, you know, after all, I just got launched out this morning and I can't control anything. And I'm just getting, you know, this boss and this guy and this guy and this person. My wife will tell you, I've calmed down a lot over the years, but I still, it was just yesterday, wasn't it? Just yesterday we were in the car and I started, I started and I started, people are so stupid. You ever done that? 
And I started, I started. And she said, don't walk down that road. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I, th- I thought the Holy Spirit's in you today. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Stop. Stop saying your wife is nagging and start calling it the Holy Spirit. It'll make her feel better and it'll make you better. Um, So I know I have that tendency. And listen, if any of you are like me, it's never your fault. I'm mad because fill in the blank. I'm justified. I'm righteous in my anger. Because this happened. But I opened up the door. Opened up the door and Christ came into me. Now the Holy Spirit resides in me. And so now I don't have an excuse because he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. So now when I bump up against somebody, I could say, I can do good to those who persecute me. I can bless my enemies. I can bless those out to get me. When a bad circumstance pops up, I don't have to be angry anymore because now I'm not a result of what's happening around me. Now what's in me is affecting the things outside of me. So now we have flipped the script. Now we're not an average of the five people around us. Now the five people around us better watch out because the spirit is in us. And they might try to influence, but I can stand up and say, hey, wait a second. The spirit of God is in me. All I have to do is recognize it. I can push pause for a second. Man, the Jones is coming out in me today. But I'm going to recognize that the Spirit of God lives in me. I'm not going to be a victim of who I am, but I'm going to live out who he is in me. Listen, can I give you a little update? Nobody who lets Jesus is in their life is a victim anymore. Because the one who has overcome anything now lives inside of you, thus making you victorious. You're not average at anything anymore. You've been called by God with the Holy Spirit in you, not to be an average of the people around you, but to impact the people around you. Not to just go along with what everything's going on, but to go your own way. Follow the steps that he's laid out in front of you to do your own thing, to say, you know what? I could do all of those things that everybody around me is doing, but guess what? He has empowered me to overcome today. So it has nothing to do with whether God is close to you. It's everything to do with waking up in the morning and saying, God, you're in me. I have enough power with you in me to accomplish all that you've called me to do to overcome this morning. I am not a victim. If you need to stand in front of the mirror every morning and tell yourself, he that is within me is greater than he that is within the world. Do it. Convince yourself that he's close to you this morning. Convince yourself that he's for you and with you. And you are not a product of just your environment. Man, he wants you to be who he's called you to be. He's calling. He keeps calling and calling and calling. He says, man, if you just acknowledge I'm here. We sang that song this morning, why shall I fear? Some of you woke up, woke up this morning fearful. Some of you woke up with the anxiety already in your chest. 
You didn't hardly sleep last night. You don't know how you're going to get out of it. You don't know. You're just, you're just rolling around in the circumstance. You have no idea how anything. You need to remind yourself that the same spirit that raised Christ from the, this isn't church cliche to get people to clap. This is the Bible. And we've been walking around powerless in our circumstances. We've been walking around just impacted by all these things that are happening around us. And the spirit of God is available in us. Not to be a victim anymore, not to just be a, not to just be a result of your community, but to look at your community and say, no, 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 me and my family are going to go different way. I am going to choose this morning not to be fearful because the spirit of God lives in me. I don't care how many times you got to stand in the mirror and say, get up early. Start reminding yourself. It's not a proximity issue. It's a recognition issue. Get up early, start reminding yourself, God is with me, 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 God is with me. There were seasons in our life where I would I would text my wife. She would text me. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. That was that was my life verse for about three years. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. He will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. You're going to talk about put stress on top of an angry person. He will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. If I will recognize consistently day after day, sometimes hour after hour, and I'm going to tell you, there may be times in your life where it may be minute after minute. Boss, I got to take a pee break because I got to go tell myself that God lives in me. And I got to pee. We've got this whole thing mixed up. We're, we're worried about the, how the world is going to impact the church. That's crazy. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what politicians do. We should be sitting here this morning going, He's in us. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. I refuse to be the average of anything. I'm going to be all he's called me to be. In 2022, I'm going to recognize God in me every single day. And when the old me starts to creep up, I'm going to push him down. When the old me starts to doubt and the old me starts to fear, I'm going to remind myself in the morning. That's why it's so important to wake up in the morning talking to God, reminding yourself of his promises. If I keep my mind fixed on him, there's peace in my life. If I keep my mind fixed on the fact that he's dwelling in me, changing me from the inside out. You see, the world believes that all the change that happens in our life is from the outside in. The gospel tells us that all the change in your life should happen from the inside out. It's a different story. It's a different story. That day on the seashore, Jesus looked at Peter and said, I'm giving you an opportunity. I want you to follow me. And if you follow me, I'll turn you into something that none of your friends can turn you into. If you follow me today, I'll turn you into something you couldn't turn yourself into. If you follow me today, I'll turn you something into something your culture can't turn you into. If you follow me, if you open the door and you follow me today, I'll make you into something that you never dreamed. Could you believe it? Peter, you want to fear again. You want to be scared. You want to worry. You want the friend. Because I'm going to turn you into something. 
want us to wake up every morning praying that prayer. Lord, I'm opening the door again today and I believe you're gonna turn me into something from the inside out. I want you to shock all the naysayers. I want you to shock all the people told me I couldn't do it. I want you to shock all the people that never believed in me because it's not about the external influence anymore. It's about the internal. He is close to you today. Just open the door. Amen. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? I want us to, I want us to pray that way this morning. I want you, maybe you've never opened the door. Maybe God's been banging on your door with a sledgehammer and you've locked it shut. And today you came to church and you don't know why, you don't know how, but you came and you heard God say to you, just crack it open and let me in. I pray that you would do that right now, but maybe, 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 maybe you've been walking this walk and you just forgot. Maybe you've been walking up, waking up in fear and doubt and anxiety. And maybe you just need to acknowledge that he's in you again. Acknowledge that he's for you and say, listen, you are in me, affecting me in ways that nobody else can. Turning me into who you want me to be. Can we pray like that today? Can you just surrender yourself to him? Maybe lift your hands and say, God, I acknowledge you today in my life. I acknowledge that you're bigger and stronger and more powerful. You've overcome anything that I could face today. Anything that's coming my way, Lord, you have overcome. And you are making me who you want me to be. Come on, lift your voice. 